We're still in the Bible today, y'all. Isn't that cool? We get to spend time in the Word of God this morning, and uh, we've been reading through the Bible all year long, Genesis to Revelation, January to December. I encourage you to do that sometime, maybe not right now, but sometime, just read through, because the continuity of God's plan, God's purpose, the, the story of God's redemption, which goes all the way back to creation, and we get to read about it and take it and just, just follow it all the way through. Well, now we've gotten to the Gospel of John this morning, and surprisingly enough, we only have one week in John, and so we'll be in John today. Welcome. Glad you're here. Um, and, and actually, the, the, the passage that I, I just believe God wanted us to, to sit down on is actually a passage in, uh, regarding the account that is found in all four Gospels. It's the only miracle of Jesus that's found in all four Gospels. Okay? And so I thought, man, you know, we need to spend some time on that. And so uh, we're going to be dealing with that. And, and, and so when I, I, I title all the messages this year, God said it because we're dealing with what God said. God has spoken into, into the void of nothingness because he, he spoke creation into existence. He said, let there be, and there was. Okay, and so I, I, I don't ever question that. You know, there was a time when I was taking classes and stuff where, where you know, it was explained to me how, how it all happened by accident and lightning bolts and, and amoeba. And, and I was like, really? Uh, no, I, God said, let there be, and there was. Okay, so that's the, that's the creative God said it that we see in the world around us. The second God said it is that we have his written word that God by his spirit inspired. He breathed it out. So, so, so that, 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 uh, authors over a couple thousand years and different continents put together God's story for us. And, and yet I, I said authors, what I meant is writers because God's the author. God's the one that gave them this for us and has preserved it through the ages so that we have, we have the Word of God and we, we have confidence in the Word of God. And then finally, we've got the living Word of God, which is just Jesus himself. The Word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. And so, so, so we've got God said it. And so today, I, 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 I pose this, what was he doing? So this is the story, the account and I believe it's a historical account of, of, of Jesus feeding, we call it the 5,000, okay? And, and it's interesting that, that as I read this story again, and I've read it, guess what? I read it as a little kid, right? This is one of those favorite stories we love to teach little, kid about, little kids about. And I want y'all to think, I'm going to read through the passages, John 6, 1 through 15. As I'm reading it, I want you to think back all the times, if you've been in the Word of God any part of your life, and you've heard this story, what part of this story did you focus in on when you heard it? Last time, time before that, or when you were six years old in, in uh, Ms. Dillashaw's Sunday school class. Oh, no, that's me. Sorry. All right, here we go. John 6, 1 to 15. After this, so something happened before this. Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee or Tiberias. Huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. And Jesus went up, on, went up a mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, a Jewish festival, was near. Uh, I won't get into it yet. I could chase all kind of every phrase in here. So when Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, where will we buy bread so that these people can eat? 
He asked this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to have even a little. I added to even, have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, how do people sit down? There was plenty of grass in that place. <laughs> I read that phrase and I go, okay. Uh, they sat down. The men numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also with the fish as much as they wanted. And when they were full, he told the disciples, he told his disciples, collect the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they collected them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over by those who were eaten. When the people saw the sign he had done, they said, this truly is the prophet. Now notice the direct article there, the prophet who is to come into the world. And therefore, when Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Pray with me, all right? Father, we thank you and praise you again that we gather in this place just singularly to worship you to exalt you, to lift high your name, and certainly to lift high the name of Jesus because Jesus is the one who said, if my name be lifted up, I'll draw them into me. So God, we want to exalt Christ today. We, Jesus, we want your name to, 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 to be that identifier in our lives and in our congregation. And so God, as we study this account, this, this, this miraculous sign as John refers to it, God, we thank you. Thank you that we can know. We can know that we belong to you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's the question. Does God know you? Does God know you? We're told in the Bible, better than you know yourself. God knows the depths of who you are. It's not just a matter of God knowing our sin. You know, I remember as a young man, and as a kid, you know, the whole idea that God's watching. He sees everything you do wrong. No, it's not just that. God knows the very depths of our being, the motivations of our lives, the, th the things that drive us and, and the things that we care about and the things that, 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 that cause us to, to react in, in ways emotionally and spiritually and physically and these things. And God knows us. Right? So Jesus walking this, this earth and, and, and with his disciples, he knows them. As a matter of fact, he knows everybody. I mean, the Bible even tells us that he knows the hearts of all men. So that's kind of where I'm, I, I, I'm focusing in on this, this, this account this morning is that after this, so Jesus has been arguing with some folks in the previous chapter. He crosses the Sea of Galilee or Tiberias. I mean, there's a local sort of name and Tiberias is more a Roman name. A huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. So, so that's kind of a statement that, that Jesus has that last week when we were in Luke. Remember I said he's walking along, he turns around and says, hey, mom and dad. And I figure some of the crowd left at that point. 
right? But he's got people following him around. Now we're early in John. We're in the first part of, of Jesus's ministry right here. And so, so there's a crowd that keeps showing up wherever Jesus is. He goes up on a mountain to sit down with his, sit down there with his disciples. Now look at this. It says, now the Passover, a Jewish festival was near. Now I looked at that and I was like, all right, okay, what's the point? What, what, what's the point of making that statement? Why does God want us to have that sentence, that verse? Well, because people are traveling to Jerusalem. People are heading down to the Passover. Right? And so, so, so Jesus is kind of relaxing on a hillside. Let's go ahead and admit there's a lot of grass in that place. No, I just thought I'd point that out again. I just think that's cool. All right. So he's relaxed on the hillside, got his disciples around him. Right? And there's a crowd coming because guess what? Now they've know they know he's crossed the they've he's crossed the Sea of Galilee and, and now he's he's sat down, he stopped. We gotta catch up. And so the crowd comes to him, right? And they all get there and 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 then <laughs> all right. So when Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming toward him. He asked Philip, where will we buy bread so that these people can eat? And Philip said, don't look at me. Or maybe Philip would say, why are you asking me? Or maybe Philip would say, I don't have a clue, Jesus. Right? So so I looked at this and I was like, why, Philip? We, we we can make some some so if any of you are watching the chosen you know that Philip was in the chosen he was sort of the the he he was one of the caterers in, in that show the chosen because historically some people believe that he was sort of the the quartermaster for the group okay he he was the one that kept up with the stuff so is that why Jesus asked him I don't think so I don't think so. I mean, we don't know. Philip's there and Jesus says, where are we going to get bread for all these people to eat? I want to know why I asked Philip, so I keep reading, right? I mean, if you, if you want to know what, what's going on, just keep reading. Let the Bible talk about the Bible because that's the way it works. He asked this to test him. Right? I'm thinking, I don't know if I signed up for this class. You know, I took lots of classes in school, you know, some of those classes, all of my history of church and history classes, you know, you took quizzes every day. You know why? Because you had a lot of reading to do the night before. You'd walk in and I remember, uh, um, I don't remember, obviously, because I can't pull his name. Dr. Young, we'd walk in Dr. Young's class and it was always the same tone, the same phrasing, everything he said. And I've said it before, but he'll go. Take out a half sheet of paper, number it from one to ten, and then he could ask any ten questions out of the three hundred pages you were supposed to read for last night. Do you know what he did that to test us? To test us, to 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 get a gauge on on our obedience, to get a gauge on on uh, are we paying attention, to get a gauge on whether or not we were serious about the assignment or what we were learning and those kind of things. Dr. Young gave us a test every morning of class to test us. I think that's that's an important line in the passage here. He did this. 
He asked him this to test him. Why? Because he wanted to surprise Philip? Why? Because because he... he, Jesus knew what was about to happen because Jesus knows the hearts of all men. And Jesus, Jesus knows there's a kid over there in the bushes. Right? With, with some barley loaves and fishes. Jesus knows what's up. I'll go ahead and transition a minute. You know what? Jesus knows what's up in your life. There, there's nothing that you encounter. There's nothing you face. There's nothing, no trial, no joy, no anything in your life that Jesus doesn't already know about. Okay? So it's not like we encounter some hardship and go, that surprised me, that surprised you, Jesus? No. Right? So then, in the Christian life, so many times when I hear people say, why would God let this happen? Why would God let me have to go through this? Or the stronger version of people who don't really know God will say, why did God do this? Like take a loved one or, or, or some tragic event in their life. Why did God do that? You see? So, so when I read this, I'm looking at it that, that Jesus knew Philip and knew Philip's heart. Okay? Jesus knew what Philip was struggling with at that point in his life. And he said... Where can we get bread to feed all these people? And Philip's like, What? I don't know that he said any of those things. I can just imagine if I were Philip and I'm standing there and Jesus goes, We're going to get bread for all these people. And I go, Why are you asking me? You're the Messiah. Right? See, he asked him that to test him. Now, there's a differentiation here between testing and temptation, right? I mean, We don't get tempted by God to do wrong. But do you know what? We face challenges, and I actually believe we faced God-ordained challenges to build and grow our faith, to, to, to refine us. We live in a broken and fallen world so that, yes, bad things happen. But sometimes those bad things, God uses and takes those things and asks us the questions in order to make us stronger, to realize what he's doing, to realize how things are, are, are going there. Philip answers a very, uh, like, like a quartermaster would. Look, man, if we had 200 denarii, Nick and I were talking about this in the back back there. All right, so Jesus fed 5,000 and Jesus fed 4,000. If you read all of the Gospels, you find both accounts. I'm kind of the impression, impression that when John says, I couldn't write everything down that Jesus did. If I did, it'd fill all the volumes in the world. I suspect he could have fed, you know, 3,000 on another occasion or, or 2,000 on a different occasion. We've got the account of the 5,000 in all, all four Gospels. And, and notice that it says, uh, well, that, I hadn't got there yet. That's why I hadn't said it yet. So here you go. 200 denarii or denarii. Um, six to eight months, estimates differ. Six to eight months salary for a, a, a worker, a, a laborer individual. Six to eight months of the year's salary would not buy enough to give each of them just an hors d'oeuvre. 
So, so, so it's like, all right, there's no way. You know, I was listening to one preacher this week. He said, yeah, Judas in the background going, yeah, we don't have that much. I don't know where it went, but we don't have that much. Right? One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they to so many? So now, now we've got Andrew also in, in the question and the challenge and the test. Simon Peter's brother. Um, barley loaves, two fish, that, and, and, and these are not like, you know, big flounder or anything. These are probably like, you know, some little silver fish or some little bitty thing like that that they've dried out and, and a little boy gets to carry it while he's out for the day. Mama packed it for him maybe, five little barley cakes. This is, this is poor, poor lunch right here is what this is. This is peasant lunch. <clears throat> and Andrew... Uh, brings this boy and says, this boy's got five barley loaves and two fish. <laughs> what good is that? Right? Jesus says, have the people sit down. This is where we find out there's a lot of grass. I just think that's an interesting little aside there. Maybe they thought he was about to make them eat grass. I don't know. So they sat down. The men numbered about 5,000. And you've heard the estimates. If there were 5,000 men, then more than likely there were another 5,000 women and another 5,000 or 10,000 kids in the area. So this could have been as many as 10, 15, 20,000 people sitting on this hillside outside the lake, the, the, the Sea of Galilee. Jesus takes the loaves and, 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 he, and he breaks them. Well... Read it exactly. Jesus took the loaves after giving thanks. He distributed those to those who were seated. Guess what? Jesus knows what's up. He knows how many people are there. He knows Philip's heart. He knows Andrew's hearts. He knows the hearts of all those people there. He knows what he's doing. As a matter of fact, John's the one that refers to this as a sign. See, now we see Jesus revealing himself and revealing who he is to the masses. Jesus is telling them, I'm the Messiah. I'm your Savior. Jesus is letting them know what's up because Jesus knows what's up. So here you got this little boy that brings the... You know, I refer to this as Jesus' McDonald's moment. This is where he fed all the people fish sandwiches right, with a barley loaf left over. But what, what, what do we have here? Well, look at this little boy. What? All right, so Philip is trying to, trying to figure out what we're going to do based on what we got. Andrew's bringing something and somebody. He's bringing a little boy. With, with his lunch bag, right, maybe? To see what Jesus will do with it. See, Andrew's kind of stepping a little closer than, than Philip did, and he's, he's bringing this little boy up and says, this little boy's got... Now, uh, I always enjoy this story because uh, when I was a kid in the 4th, 5th, and 6th grade, I don't remember which one, I've told you all about... I mean, I, sang, I, was, I was a choir boy. I sang in the choir, the kids' choir, the youth choir, the adult choir. Man, I was always in choir. By the way, if you want to be in the choir, they practice first and third Sundays right here. Working on Christmas music, y'all come, all right? We did, a, we did this, this children's musical called The Boy Who Caught the Fish. Anybody ever heard of it? 
Figured it was rather obscure. I was one of the boys. Me and my buddy, we went fishing and uh, caught a couple little bitty old fish. But we had some barley loaves for lunch because Mama packed it and all that sort of thing. And and all of a sudden, this crowd comes along where we're down by the stream. And it was interesting. I, I enjoyed hearing and learning the story by actually you know, getting up and doing this musical in front of the church. It was cool. It made an impression on me. I don't read this story except that I think back to being one of these boys. And I think about this little boy who was brought before the Messiah, brought before this, this, this rabbi, this prophet, this teacher, this, this, this man whose name is being proclaimed all over the countryside and, and people on their way to Jerusalem to the Passover are stopping off to just get a glimpse, to spend some time in Jesus' presence. And Andrew takes this little boy to the front of the room and said, he's got his lunch. What's that mean? You know, I almost want to ask, well, what did the little boy say? Just like I did about Philip. Philip says, I mean, Jesus says to Philip, we're going to get bread to feed all these people. Philip says, why are you asking me? All right, so let's think about... All right, so anybody know one of the first words that every kid learns? No? Why? No. Mine. You pick up a kid's toy, what do they say? Mine. And when we play with kids, what do we do? We take it from them and go, my toy. We're teaching them to be selfish. Right? What's mine is mine. And, and then we teach people to be thieves. What's yours is mine too. <laughs> Whether it's officially or not. But anyway. Um, see? What? Little boy, this little boy's got his lunch here. <laughs> little boy said, well, what do you mean? Uh -uh. I didn't know you were bringing me up here to give my lunch away. Right? The only impression we can get from this is that the boy was offering his lunch. That was his offering. He gave what he had. It's going to make a dent in anything? Not according to what he knew. Not according to what Andrew knew. Not, what, not according to what Philip knew. But according to what Jesus knew, all he had to have was what the boy offered. And then they fed 5, 10, 15,000 people with it. Right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop a minute and just ask us a question. How do we approach giving? Now, please hear me. I don't preach on money. Y'all know that. Think about giving of yourself. In the big picture, giving of yourself to the kingdom of God. Uh, giving of yourself to, let's say, a local body of Christ. Giving of yourself to your neighbor. Or to the person you just happen to run into. <clears throat> or the 15,000 sitting in the grass on the hillside listening to Jesus. Right? Giving what you got. Why? Oh, well, God's blessed me. That's for me. Or, you know, I remember hearing, hearing somebody say it. We don't own anything. Nothing's ours. God just lets us manage what is His. 
I love that 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 phrase. You know, you know, people. All, all right, so I'm gonna say the tithe word. So if it makes you mad, sorry. No, I'm not. <clears throat> God says you get to live on ninety. I'm only asking for ten. Right? Think about that a minute. Give what you have. New Testament talks about not just tithe, but it talks about bringing offerings and gifts. You know? I, anyway. Because here's why. Dollar. Whatever. How about an hour? How about giving an hour to the kingdom of God? What will that become? Right? See, we've been doing it. I, here you go. People are going to think I'm preaching guilt and shame, but I'm not. <clears throat> Serving God. What's it look like in your life? If you said, this is how people see me serve God. Told y'all the story. We had a, a trustee up in Maryland that uh, uh, he, he took care of the building, so he was always there. So he, he lived on this one street, and he and his whole family would get up early on Sunday morning. They'd go to church. They wouldn't come back to way after lunchtime because they were there the whole morning. Well, his neighbor across the street didn't know Jesus. But they were great friends. And so the neighbor across the street said, man, what, what do y'all do on Sunday mornings? Man, y'all get up at like dark, and y'all are at the church all day just about. He said, what? Why? So, so this trustee got to share with his neighbor and his friend that, oh, we love Jesus. We, Jesus saved us. We want to worship Jesus. So that's why we, we go to serve and to worship on Sunday mornings. Well, that created a conversation between the two of them to where he starts asking questions. And guess what? Bobby gets invited to the living room. So I'm sitting there with husband, wife, and two daughters, and the, the son's the youngest, so he's not there. So I, so I just start sharing the gospel. God loves you. God loved you before the foundations of the earth. God sent his only begotten son to die so that you could, you could have abundant life, so that you could know the peace and the joy and the love of, of walking with Jesus. And, 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 and then the retirement benefits are incredible. Right? So I shared the gospel with this whole family. I baptized all four of that family. They all received Christ, and I baptized all four of them on the same day, except the little boy. He was too young at that point. And I ended up baptizing him too. Nicholas was his name. All because why? The trustee got up to serve God every Sunday, all day long. If he'd just gone for an hour... The neighbors would say, oh, you're just going to church. Right? Right? What does serving God look like in your life? Bring you lunch? See? Because Jesus makes much of whatever you bring. Whatever you give to Jesus, Jesus multiplies it. And he took those two fish and those five loaves and he distributed them to those who were seated. So also with the fish as much as they wanted. Five little barley loaves and two little, what, silver, sardines. And they ate all they wanted. And when they were all full, he says, collect the leftovers. So they collected 
collected 12 baskets full, one, one for each disciple. Ah, cool. Let's teach them something on this hillside. When the people saw the sign he had done, they said, truly, this is the prophet. Moses said, yeah, I'm a prophet, but there's one coming after me. This is the prophet. And so Jesus realizing that there was about to be an acclamation going on. They're about to hold him on their shoulders and march to the Passover in Jerusalem and make him king. And so he withdrew again. What was he doing, y'all? What was Jesus doing? Why do we have this account in four Gospels 2,000 years later? Because what Jesus was doing with Philip and Andrew and a little boy and 10, 15, 20,000 people, he is still doing today. He's still doing it today. So if you want to follow Jesus, you better bring your lunch. Okay? If you want to follow Jesus, you better bring your lunch. Pray with me. Father, thank you. Thank you that you know what's up. We don't have to be worried. Matter of fact, you tell us not to worry. And yet, God, I know that we're tested. We're tested by life. We're tested by the world. We're tested by people. We're tested in circumstances and situations. And by our own lack of faith, God, we're tested. And yet, God, you have revealed yourself and shown us who you are. Because, God, you know what's up. And so, God, you've asked us to give of ourselves, to give what we have so that you can make much. God, if there's even one person here this morning that doesn't know Jesus, we want to introduce them. God, we want them to receive salvation in Jesus Christ. God, there might be some folks here who, who, who know Jesus, maybe know who Jesus is, maybe, maybe understand something of, <clears throat> of the teachings of Jesus, but God, the surrender of their lives is just not there. God, I pray that we would all be like the boy and just bring our lunch and give you what we got. So God, as we sing this last song, just help us to surrender to you, to give of ourselves, to present to you the offering of our lives. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.